big noise. Huh. What, are you, what are you doing there? Slapping my leg. Oh, God. That's the start now. We did it. Hey, through the, the fire. Leg, leg slap. That's a slap. Nothing funny is going to happen this episode. You won't be slapping those knees. No. Not funny. Nothing funny. No. Have you ever once laughed during this podcast ever? Yeah. You want to hear it? <laughs> <laughs> never, never try to contradict Ryan. He will do the thing immediately that's my, that's my podcast laugh even my girlfriend knows it's like don't don't laugh at your podcast laugh right now it's not even your podcast laugh like even before we started this podcast even before that you've had this like and it's <laughs> most of the time if people do a very audibly fake laugh it's insulting but for some reason you do it and it's like you're acknowledging that something's supposed to be funny and you're laughing and we can tell it's not a real laugh but for some reason it doesn't piss me off and it doesn't seem kind of endearing why but when did you start doing that i don't know and do you know it sounds fake yeah yeah <laughs> it's the joke that's what makes this but see that's what then makes whatever was not funny funny damn but then that's you know? like you're making a statement saying your thing wasn't funny but what if i believe yeah. my thing was funny well humor is not subjective so not subjective no. Oh man! If you're, I'm funny and you're not. That's how it boils down to. All it. right. Yeah. Sure. I don't know if I believe that thing here. So yeah, I got a lot of. Uh, what's the what's the word? I got a lot of balls today, for lack of a better word. <laughs> yeah. And I don't. What's the word I'm looking for? I got a lot of. Uh, well, we'll stick with you. No, you get no, no, you no, no, no. Go back and get all the balls today. Continue. <laughs> get a lot of balls today. Uh, well, because I got up early today. I got up at like five thirty, and I did. I went to work. I went to the hospital and I was working there. I haven't done a morning shift in forever. Uh, so I was doing that. Um, and then I, oh, I didn't, I haven't even told Braxton this, my monitor, my second monitor. And you know, if you, if you're a, if you're a gamer, then you gotta have multiple monitors, yeah. right? If you have one, I don't know if you can call I yourself seven. a gamer. I have exactly. I got, yeah, I got one here, one here, one here, one here, and over here. Um, so you got to have a couple, right? You don't need that many, but you got to have a couple. Just like you got to have at least one thing on your setup that's RGB related. That's it. Point being, one of my second monitor uh, died. It actually st it stopped working, period. Is it the super old and one? I, uh, not super old, but it's... Which position? I've had Top one? The, no, the one to my right. Okay, okay. I've had that for three years. The ones, the ones above me and the one to my right are I've had for like 10. For, I've had those forever. Since the dawn I've, of time. super old. I know. And I, my plan has always been to uh, get rid of those at some point and replace them with my with the monitors I use now and you'll get nice ones. Uh, and unfortunately, that one died that I use like all the time for everything because on my main PC. So I had to then go to BestBuy.com sponsorship right here. Opportunity, everybody. I'd go to Best Buy and see what they had in stock today because I, I, you know, I needed a new PC. Luckily, they had a little bit of sale going on. And man, I was so upset. I, I put the, I get home from work, see it's still not working. So I'm like, all right, I gotta go fast. Cause I had to go pick up my girlfriend from work. And within the small time, so I got like 30 minutes, I put it in my cart, order it. And I'm telling you in my cart, it says ready to pick up Sunday, the 21st. I'm like, perfect. Check out. And then it says your order will be ready Saturday, the 28th or something. I'm like, what happened in the, in the next, in the 30 seconds? You got PS5. What do you let me cancel my order? Damn. I did. I, yeah, I got PS5. So I had to I had to talk to support. And I'm still like freaking out. I got to go real fast. Talk to support. They're able to cancel it. Shout out to Graham. Great yeah, dude. Graham. Yeah, working working hard over there. For some reason, my, I couldn't cancel my own order. He had to cancel for me. And I found another one about 20 minutes away that had the monitor I was Hold looking on, for. Hold on, what did you get? And I, dude, I don't even know. Okay, well, what's the, what's the resolution? 
It's just 1920 by 1080. Uh, it doesn't what, have to be fancy. What's the refresh anything. rate? Uh, I think it's just 60. Or is it at least a TN panel or I uh, not a TN? Is it IPS? all these mean man come on this is you don't consult me for your mechanical keyboards i have oh my you don't consult me for your monitors you bought one that's not browsing no i have the monitor just to browse the web i use it as a second monitor to edit my main monitor is right here this is the my my nice asus monitor the one to my right is just the lg crap saving money is fine I needed it. I needed one today. Otherwise, you know, I thought about it. I could wait a week and get a, you know, a much better monitor or I can get one now. That's that's the trade-off. And unfortunately, I decided to pick one up now. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I get it. For me, there have been times where I'm all right. When I'm doing stuff and I realize that somebody does the thing that I'm doing but with one monitor and I cannot comprehend it at all. It's like trying to imagine right. if you had an eye in the back of your head how that would work or like a third arm. For me losing one, I cannot conceive what that would be like. Got to have that second monitor. There's a function, what is it? Windows Windows right and left. And there, there's something. I don't know what it is. You can have both oh, like other desktops. Yeah, yeah, I know you could do that. I thought that was a, a Mac thing. So now I now I'm, cool. now I'm probably uses a lot of memory, but I don't know. I think it does entirely. But for me this week, you see that door right there? Uh, for our audio listeners, he is pointing at a door behind him. Yes, it's in the abyss. That door back there, for you audio listeners, it's it's white, it's tall, it's about eight or nine feet tall. Behind it, if I were to open it, you would see the chaos of a move in progress. My room is empty. Yeah. I'm about to go back to Texas, but this looks clean. It's like NASA before they're about to take off on a spaceship. I don't even know, dude. Out there it is insane you got my bed taken apart you got all the boxes for my monitors and computer and sleeping on the ground there's really see my you can see my little mattress oh, yeah. yeah dude that's sad nah that's how i when are you leaving uh i ship out tuesday at round one i'll be driving for 19 hours damn it's gonna be fun unfortunately listeners by the time you hear this uh you will have missed our first stream oh. of the live play uh, it is happening on Mondays every other week, uh, the Dungeon Chronicles. And unfortunately, you would have just missed it, mm-hmm. but we've been talking about it for a while, so yeah, joke's on well, you. If you're hearing this now, and it is either Tuesday or Wednesday, rejoice, because the episode will be out on Thursday at 7 a.m. On That's true. Yeah, so if you miss it, it's okay. Yeah, if you, but we want you to be there, you know. But don't worry. If you missed Stay it, alive. catch it the next Monday, because I think we do this weekly. Dear God, save no. my soul. No, every we, other? St- we stream every other week. Oh, hell yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. Hell yeah. So every other week we're stretching to get the episode out. Trust me, Braxton and I have talked about this. He's just in the middle of the moving process. No, I'm just an idiot. Don't okay. don't chalk it up to that. That <laughs> it is that is as non-subjective as comedy apparently is. So the stream happens every other week. The episodes are weekly. So you're not gonna be missing out hell on yeah. content. Damn, I better have a long stream then. I've been prepping. And writing stuff, making yeah, the streams. I think we're playing at around four hours. Hell yeah, dude! You know how hard it is to make quests and NPCs and make a world. Of course you don't. I do I'm just kidding. You do. Oh, you do know. And there, that's what the last eighty episodes of this podcast have been basically talking about. That's very true. It's very true. Prepping you for this moment. This moment and today, this time, we're we talking about some stuff other people have made. Other quests and yeah, NPCs. a and lot of other people. A lot of other people. Uh, we may have mentioned at some point, and you may already just be very well-versed in the news of Dungeons & Dragons, but Candlekeep Mysteries, that's the title, Yep, has been mm-hmm. released. Well, it came out Tuesday. 
Yeah, I hate that Wizards of the Coast releases the same day we release our podcast. So, I mean, it gives us time to review and look at it later. But, man, we could really crunch it if we had to. Just speak for yourself. It took me like six hours to read through just the first half. And I think it's the first half. The first seven yes, of these mysteries. The first half. Yeah. So. Uh, first eight, I think. I think it's eight. I don't know. It, it, we ended on, on the Sarah one, right? Yes. Okay, good. Then I did do the homework properly. <laughs> We're set. I actually you read did the assignment. Took notes. It did feel like an assignment, but it was more fun because it was D and D. And there were some where I genuinely was like reading a good book. I don't do that, but it felt like I was reading a good book, and I was enamored in it. And then I kept going. And some of them weren't like that. But what what is mm-hmm. this thing, Ryan? What is it? Candlekeep Mysteries is a collection or an anthology. I don't know that's the right word. It's a grouping of 16 adventures, plus kind of a campaign setting. Not really a campaign, maybe a town. A town with a really cool library yeah. that you could put into your world anywhere. Okay. And the adventures range from levels 1 to 16. No. Yes. Levels 1 16. 16, yeah. Mm-hmm. And there's, no. I think, no, it's 1 to 16. You're positive? Yeah, I'm positive. Absolutely. I got confused on this because there's two level four adventures. There and are that's, two level four. That's why four. I'm hesitating. But everything else, there is one per level except for level four. Okay, you are correct. I am correct. I'm very, very rarely correct. I said to scroll down. I should have scrolled down to the next page. I almost did yeah, control F16 just to find it because I was that confident. <laughs> but yeah, I was really confused at first as to how they were going to structure this because 16, 17 adventures doesn't sound like a lot at, at the yeah. beginning. But with how they structure it, honestly, these almost abide by like lazy DM levels of prep, to be quite frank. Except for except for any locations, dungeons, and manners, etc. Those have a good. You're also beat. right. There are 17 adventures. Yeah. See, I'm on a roll today. Again, I'm getting confused because there's 16 levels that they're going through, but they just had to toss in an extra fourth level adventure. Well, I'm glad they did that because one quest per level, like I didn't, I didn't like that pitch at all. I mean, you're not supposed to just go from quest to quest. I guess you can. Yeah, I I know. I've got such a weird relationship with these sorts of things, just source books in general. It's weird because once you get to that point of being a D&D or tabletop RPG uh, fan, person who sure. is into them, when you start venturing into the running things area you you enter this weird realm of i read all this stuff so i'm spoiling myself ahead of time you know i would have loved to have not read this and a few of these adventures have maybe popped up in the campaign that ryan runs for me but now i just i know him i'm also an idiot and ryan can change a single name and i won't know what it is see curse of strahd my escapades (laughs) of not knowing that i was even in that campaign to be fair you hadn't read that yes very true but i still may not have realized for a little bit so uh, this thing, if we're getting we're getting into it. Oh wait, hold on, stop. He's Ryan. No, oh, he's Braxton. This is the Dungeon Crawl. And today we're going to be talking about Candlekeep Mysteries, an anthology. They say at the beginning of adventures written by members of the Dungeons and Dragons community. What a cool Let's little tagline! Stop you right there for a quick, for a quick, very quick question for our video watchers, uh, Braxton. For the very first time, somehow we are on flipped sides, and I just noticed this. <laughs> Shit. It's probably not that big of a deal, I guess, but it's just kind of weird. We're breaking the tradition. So we pointed the wrong yeah. way. That guy, he, he's not right. He's right. Actually, no, we, I think we point, whatever. Uh, Candle Key Mysteries. <laughs> just something I point out. It's really, it caught me by surprise. It's just your in- incompetency showing, you know, it's fine. Yeah. It's fine. So, Candle Keep Mysteries 
is about a place called Candlekeep. <laughs> wow! And it's most usually located in the Forgotten Realms setting within the Sword Coast, but they say throughout this whole intro that you can move it anywhere, names can be changed, locations, however you want. Fun fact, it's been there from the first edition. Candlekeep? Yeah. That's really cool. So it's it's, it's, it's seen the light of day for a while. But was it as fleshed out? This is the first time that it's been this touched I mean, upon? Nothing's really been fleshed out, you know, as much as kind of fifth edition and fourth edition newer stuff has covered but it's been in every edition i want to say i'm not positive but it's you know this has a very expansive overview of it which i like yeah it's really really cool and there's it, it feels what i loved so far is it feels lived in it feels like it's existed and there's several of these uh, mysteries that mention century-long periods that books have been in this place and it's like oh wow yeah so much so that people bring them in and they never get touched for like 400 years, I even think is exactly from one of the mysteries. Um, so where should we start? Where do we begin? Uh, I guess the, I, I always like touch on the very first thing with these things. and I kind of say it every time, but the running of the adventure section, I always appreciate. I always like um, this time they added the beings, the sensitive mm. part of it, um, which is always a good thing to have, you know, in your first session, session zero, and to always be aware of in game. Basically, for those who don't know what I'm talking about, it's basically just talking about some of these adventures are going to talk about some hard and you know sensitive topics. And D and D, I mean, kind of can do that just by itself, mm-hmm. even without these adventures. And it's worth talking about that and seeing if it's okay with your players. And even if they don't know, having a way in game for you guys to quickly talk about it and move forward with what's going on. Yeah, in line with that, I will say, to be quite honest, these adventures of the seven or so that we've read so far, I can speak for this episode, none of them have anything too jarring. Of course, there's some death, some sad storylines, but there's really no crazy topics yet, I would not say. so. I imagine they're going to have something more expansive than this for the Ravenloft book that's coming out. Yeah, and even these adventures, as they get higher in levels, they get a little more grand as you keep going. So I'm very interested to see how they are in the next portions. Yeah, the Be Sensitive Dungeon Master is basically run a session zero and don't be a jerk and pay attention to people and set expectations, right? And they're starting to do that a lot. And something I've noticed um, in the paragraph, like right before it, they uh, are breaking the fourth wall in a way that they usually don't. Of course, they have to address us in the game itself, but they like literally have a quote saying, hey, if you see a, a bold type something or a stat block says, hey, <coughs> cough, dying. They don't want me to talk about this. Hey, DM, get this creature stat block ready. You'll need it. Like, that's the first time they've gotten so informal in one of these books. Though I will point out, because uh, we probably won't talk about this later, uh, there's a, Kenneth made a very good point. He's been on the podcast. He's in Dungeon Chronicles. And I didn't notice this at first. There's no index for this. Yeah. There's no, like, you can scroll to the very end and see all the magic items and all the monsters that are in here. There's not too many additional monsters, but even if there are, there should be an easy way to access these. Unfortunately, there isn't unless you buy them on D&D Beyond or something. Yeah, there's there's no reason to not include it, but I'm fine without it because of what this is. I, I felt yeah, it's okay. I guess okay. it's supposed to be very... Yeah, I think they they really want you to read the stories and having an index, people might just ignore them and go to that content. And, you know, sure. having that is great for the people that want it this way, but they're forcing their creative direction without having it, making sure you have to go through everything to find the little tidbits. So I get it. And really, there isn't a lot of new stuff, like Ryan said. So there's a couple of 
uh, portions here, one about dissecting the adventures, just saying you can, you know, patchwork, take everything, move it, do whatever Plot you need wherever. to for your, for, for your needy needs. Uh, Nothing is too sacred. That's what they like to say. No, that's a thing that is very foreign in like theater. There are playwrights that are like, if you touch my thing, I will find you and I will sue your booty. They do say that. And then they talk about the Forgotten Realms a little bit, saying what the setting is, how it's very dangerous. A dragon can yeet your ass at any second of the time. There's a bunch of different races. And in these races as well, something they do often is omit um, as much information about the characters, either gender or I guess I guess it's just mostly gender. There's a lot of omission on the NPCs end. They basically just give ideals, if that, occupation, class, and general race. So I was talking with Kenneth about that as well earlier, where he was kind of wishing they gave a bit more in that regard, but I was okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, I, didn't feel I don't too mind. Bad. All right. And they do mention the calendar thing if you're doing the Forgotten Realms. So there are... There's a little index here of all of the mysteries with a one-sentence description, their level, and their title. And if you've got the D&D Beyond version, you can click and jump straight to it. Should we jump straight to it? First book? Well, f- well first, uh, we can do this quickly because we, we probably don't have time to really dissect Candlekeep itself. Yeah. I just want to talk about why it's cool and why you might want to use it. I guess prefacing all of this, this whole podcast is and this book... It's not really for players. This is a DM centric. You want to give something cool to your players. It's not something that I would say, hey, you just got into D&D. You want to be a player? Go buy Candlekeep Mysteries. This is for DMs to run adventures. Yeah. Um, with that said, Candlekeep, if you want to put it into your world, I would say, sure. Yeah, it's cool. Uh, it's basically just a big kind of enclosed Hogwarts, I would like to think of it as this big, almost like castle, grandiose place that has grounds and extra, you know, inns and stuff a part of it, but it's all self-contained and it's all very magic based. And the main point of it being this large archive of these ancient books to get into it. You have to give a book to get access to this crazy. It's a glorified book club for which you can only be in for 10 days at a time unless you bring a really spicy book, which is which is interesting to me because. When I read that requirement, and it's in this first Candlekeep section where they tell you how you can enter, I'm like, well, hold on. DMs, if you're entering this at level one or so, and you're you're starting here, you have to give your characters a book, otherwise they ain't getting in. Or, of course, you go to the front, and they could be denied entry, and then you go do a quest, and then your players go out the world. When they find right. a book, they can come in. They get 10 days of entry. Uh, they, they describe each sort of, it's not really a cast system, but, you know, the people that work there, the employees, the staff, several different levels of people, some archmages, mages, and whatnot, people known as avowed adjudicants, adjutants, who see the books, keep the books, do things and whatnot. Uh, There's some magic suppression going on. Fires can't be a certain size, just to make sure nothing gets burned. Uh, You can't just fly straight into it. There's a barrier. It's well protected. Yeah. It's very cool. I think there's some really cool concepts here. Yeah. And if you don't even like the... Oh, and you utilize this. There's a lot of things you could cherry pick from here. Like the, you can't fly over it unless you are a bird. You can fly over it disguised as a bird, and this enchantment won't get you. Uh, there's some really cool ideas that you could kind of trickle into your stuff. I like that with the NPCs in here as well. The avowed people that Braxton was talking about. Um, 
they don't specify alignments for them because they're just all people mm -hmm. and everyone has different, you know, alignments and you can just kind of pick and choose as you go. And I, I like that to be more of a, a thing moving forward. I, I don't like whenever alignment is just dropped on there and you don't get more of their morality and their alignments and beliefs on things because I think it's, we've talked about before, but it's very, very much a binary thing with alignment. And I don't, I wish D&D got farther away from that. Some of the uh, authors do include alignment for the characters later on down the line. Some are part yes. of the avowed and some of them directly butt heads with it, giving an alignment and then immediately trying to like, what's the word? Extrapolate on it saying they are this, but they're not really this. And they have to, I'm like, just get rid of it. Just go, go, just give me the description yeah. and get rid of the things. I'm tying it down. It's fine. So yeah. Uh, I think we're I set say to... the author for this section, speaking of authors for later, the author for this section has written for D&D for a long time. Oh, yeah? Um, Chris Lindsay. It he reads writes a lot well. for. He, he writes a lot on um, the D&D website specifically. Uh, he's a busy dude, so uh, I haven't really seen him much in the official stuff besides this, yeah. as far as I'm aware. No, it reads very, very well. And some of the things later on, I feel, are, are you can see the different structure. I think the editors tried their best to make it all a very unified Yes, this yeah. is a very much a freelance kind of book. Every, I, I don't know if there's repeats, but so far there has not been. Every adventure has been its own author that has not touched a different adventure. Yeah, so you can feel Which seems it. to be the new D&D thing. Yeah, uh, it's fine. Right, I mean, it's Dale had them. a lot of freelance people in it. Uh, I'm sure Ravenloft, maybe each domain is going to be a freelance. It's cool because it helps them with the diversity as well. Yes, so... There's a nice map too, and the first thing you see is this massive court of air, and I don't know, it's a very nice map. I don't know why that thing exists, but it exists. It's this this massive courtyard where nothing happens, nobody does anything. It's called a court of air. You don't need to talk about it too much, but other places are heart of rest where people rest. The hearth, uh, just a tavern, nice. people can hang out and whatnot. A bar that serves a certain amount of people. Uh, Demi Planner Chambers, definitely think Harry Potter here, like the staircases that go to random places. These are just random chambers that pop up. Here and there, um, there often are really valuable books or stuff inside of these chambers that the scholars and avowed are always trying to find so that they can inventory, take them out of there and keep it. Otherwise, they're just lost to the ether, I guess. Meeting chambers where you can meet people. Of course, some shrines for shrines and worshiping. There's a bath and steam house. Ooh, nice. Spicy. Spicy. And then there's some other stuff in there that's fun and whatnot. I got I to point out. For those of you big fans of the Dungeon Crawl podcast, have listened to like our least favorite monsters and our favorite monster list, stuff like that. There's a use of one of my least favorite monsters in here that I, I'm, I'm so excited to see these guys actually getting some screen time because I think they're ass and practice. I thought they were cool. Oh, I know exactly Emotrans, what you're talking about. gets, I don't even know if that's how you pronounce it, but yeah. these guys, I think they're stupid, waste of space. But this is actually a, a cute little thing. I, yeah, I, I love you gotta seeing see them the in. potential in the monster, Ryan. <laughs> I, know, I, I love seeing them in here. An actual use of Modrons getting getting some screen time, some book time. Yeah, they Very um, cool. I forget the exact oh yeah, yeah, yeah. They were um they got they escaped lost. from Mechanist. They escaped from yeah. Mechanist and then they were like, you know you you can help us. They catalog books, they run around, they're the librarians, it's fun. There's a spiritual freaking dragon sentinel worm. 
dude yes that got yeah, murked by a mage here and now he yeah. protects the deep exaltation like lower section of the place giant deadly undead dragon like, that lies underneath candle can teleport places it's just a face looks like gregory from dragon's dogma cool stuff i will actually mention before we get into the next get into actual adventure that kind of seems to be a theme that i've seen so far with the first adventures that we've covered here there's a lot of monsters that just don't get much press that have been being included in these. And I I, I, I dig it. It's one of my now, I think one of my new favorite monsters later down this list oh. that I'm like itching to, no. to, to drop. Don't into do game. it. That shit's scary. It is. No. It's frightening. I was wondering the whole time what they're going to look like. I was like, what do these guys look like until the oh, end? No. They show at the very bottom. Like that's, I don't want to see that thing. Stick around listeners and we'll talk about that. But first the joy of extra dimensional spaces. Oh, what what a fun title and a cool looking book they got. The art is there's a there's a funky looking dude and it's a really well inverted book. That is Mordenkainen. That's Mordenkainen himself. Interesting. Well, he's a guy who made Mordenkainen's magnificent mansion. Uh, other spells with I'm his sure. name in it. If it's guy's name in it, yeah. he made it. He likes to slap it. Uh, but this was written by uh, Michael Pokinghorn. What a name. Uh, he has his own DD podcast uh, actual play podcast that he does um it's called relic of the past i peeked into it it's got a lot of episodes so if you like a big backlog and you have a lot of free time go check it out um he writes pretty well so i assume the games that he dms for are probably similar to this type of stuff thanks for editing this hannah rose much appreciated good yeah, job she's, she's a, she does a lot of work good job good job all right where do we start with this thing I guess um, they do a big old detail on like Mordenkainen and, and what this book is and what it might talk about. Unfortunately, a lot of that stuff for all of the adventures doesn't play much into the actual adventure itself. No, it's all just like it's cool before the actual content of it. It's just if you're a DM it's that stuff wants that to I have don't it think in the, the brain, players would ever find. No. No, there's a lot of useless exposition here. It's not necessarily useless. It's like an actor wanting to know what their character had for breakfast just to inform how full their stomach you, is in the scene. That kind of thing. You could say some of the stuff the avowed might know. And so if they're talking to the you know the avowed about this book, they're like, oh, well, you want to know the history of where this book came from? Here you go. Reading this will build your confidence in running each of these adventures, I would say. I may not I, use I it, but it'll build your confidence. So how do you find the book? These books, this, this library is massive. This library is big. It's big. Well... Why would you want to find the book, Braxton? Why would you want to find the book? What, how, how, do, how are these adventures presented to the player? So it's pretty... Okay, I, I can't tell if you're angry or happy about this. I can't tell. <laughs> but it's very in line with what you do when we go to libraries. If I want to search for a specific topic, say like uh -huh. creating permanent versions of existing spells, or Demi Planes in Pocket Dimensions and other spaces that exist outside uh -huh. the Serial Plane, hey, Val, can you find me books on that? They might bring me this one. Now, why a True. level one player would want to know about those specific things, I do not know, because those are big boy stuff. But hey, you might find it this way. Yeah. Cool. My problem with this, All right. so Prax is kind of getting to the point, the only way most of these adventures start is by getting this book, is by getting the book that starts the adventure, mm -hmm. right? That's the, and I thought this was kind of like, oh, this is a cute little framing device, ha 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 ha. Happens again, Next adventure. Next adventure. Next, okay. I mean, like my my issue with this though, Braxton. Let me, let me let me lay it out for you. My issue with this is they presented this as a very easily drag and drop quest into your world. This makes it so much harder because they have to be near a library for most of these. For some of these, 
they have to find this book somewhere if it's not in a library you could you know an npc might have it and give it to them but the problem is these are not as easily drag and droppable as i was assuming them to be and maybe that's on me but i believe that's what they said when this was announced yes so i it is very specific but we're gonna we're gonna take it back to skyrim we're gonna take it back to skyrim Sometimes you find the the Red Eagle book and, you know, whatever, it takes you to that crypt or something like that. It's very much like this. Now, when they release something that you pay for, you kind of want it to be easy to bring into your game, easy to start. I don't dislike this. It gets a little obtuse and, and like hitting the nail on the head over and over again. But I think it's fun because this shouldn't be your entire campaign. You could do it. Shouldn't be your entire campaign. Maybe you really like one or two of these and you're going to say, I'm only going to trigger these if my players go to the library and do this. Like, this is definitely, you read this as a sure. DM, put it in your back pocket. I think yeah, this I don't, device I don't works hate for that. I don't hate them. Yeah. But, I mean, I think, honestly, I think they get better as we get deeper into it. Because this one specifically, the only plot hook for the joy of extra dimensional spaces is finding the book. And it's not like it's one of the other ones farther down will also have this plot device of finding the book. But it says you can find it in the library or... And avowed will bring it to them or something and ask them a question. This one just says you have to find it by researching these two topics. So seems very hard to, to activate my, this plot. Specifically of. this one. This starts my problems with it. And I'll say what it is when we finish it. And I'll, we'll see if Ryan agrees with it. But what is this book? The description of this thing is it's a big chonker. It's thick, Heavy. made of ornately tooled leather, decorated with gold filigree. Of a particular interest is the illustration with our good old guy, you know, Mordenkainen. He's on there. Of course, they give some stuff, like if you do a check, you find out who he is, blah, blah, blah. Doesn't say much else of what's in the book. No. Which is interesting. but be- Which I guess you could say it's just got spells and stuff in there, but it's not a spell book per se. Yeah. It's a- I don't know. I, this this isn't my least favorite, but this is one of the ones I don't like a lot. I Later on, I honestly think they do get better than this. This is very much a, you know, tried and true level one adventure. There's yeah. not much more going on here. Later on down the line, the books get more substantial where it has that book description that Braxton was talking about, but also says this is what's inside of the book. So you can kind of feed that to the players, which I always like doing with books. Yes. Yes. So... How do you get into this thing, Ryan? What happens? Where does it, what goes on? Right. So this is where my next issue with this quest. We hate this thing. It's (laughs) terrible. There's, to me, to me, there's an issue with the way that this particular section, I'm talking about the opening the portal section is written. Okay. Okay. The portal we're referring to, this portal basically starts the actual adventure. You find the book, and then you get into the portal, and then the portal inside is where this whole adventure takes place. The problem with this is to open the portal, you have to go to Matreus's private study room, right? Mm-hmm. If you just so happen to discover the book on its own, don't look inside of it or anything, you have no cause to go to Matreus at all. You don't have the plot hook. You don't have anything. Me, what I would do is I would skip these early setting up scenes. I would skip a lot of this stuff. They find the book maybe in there. They in the uh, the margins of the book. They have they see Matreus writing stuff. Maybe 
just so you can set up who this guy is. Um, or you get the plot hook from somebody else, like an avowed comes up to you. Honestly, that would fix all my problems with this yeah. beginning. An avowed comes up to you and says, hey, I, I lost Matreus. <laughs> Can you help him. me find him? So I think if you're tackling this from a perspective of, I bought this book, I want to run everything, then I agree with what you're saying. But the fact that I think this is tackled as a, if your players run across these, they're going to get these nice pieces of candy quests, which is what this is. And I think that's how they wrote it. I still think it's a little too obtuse, like having a, a DC check to even be able to get into the portal and find out the, the word. Like there's a chance that your players can't ever do this ever. Yeah. They just can't start. And you know, you have to, you have to run Candlekeep itself or the library that you're doing exactly how they have set up Candlekeep, how you have to get the book, then go to a private study room because otherwise they won't be assigned to Matreus's study room. Yeah. And then they won't get the, the word the command word that they need to activate the portal inside the book, starting the whole quest. So they might just have this book with Mordenkainen's big mug on it and never start this adventure. Yeah. But that whole effect, this this whole plot structuring, like getting into it, is in the entire first quest here. The entire thing yeah. is missable stuff. And it's a mystery. It, you know, it probably should be that way, right? Oh. Are we insane for being? But is it, it a way? mystery if the players don't know there's a mystery going on? True. Well, I mean, they don't even know Matreus is missing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Fistandia's so, mansion. Where? Whoa, yeah, Braxton, let, how'd we get there? What the fuck? I don't know. That's where it that's goes when next. The mystery starts. Yes. <laughs> um. But uh, let's let's just for the sake of the quest, they get into the mansion. They get into the portal. Okay. Do we like where it goes from there? Immediately you you meet Matreus. He's right there, right? Yes. Yeah. The guy's like right there. Bam. He's like, oh, whoa, great. You're here. Awesome. Which honestly, I love. I love that. Yeah. I think because that's it helps Because well then that, yeah, that's what then sets up the whole rest of the quest. He fills in all the details. Yes. So I, I forget. Is he trapped there? Yes. Yes. So the portal's opened and he's like, bro. He can leave. I found yeah. this bomb ass statue. It's cool as shit. He picks it up. He walks oh, out. Trace. You hear a noise. The thing transforms. Portal closes. So the players don't know it transformed quite yet. Oh yeah. But you could, true. you could, you could, you know, as the as the portal's closing, you see this imp attacking this guy. Yeah. Yeah. So for kind of cutesy stuff. Now you've got a little Drake and Joss situation going on. You're stuck. He's not. <laughs> what's going on? I don't know what's happening here. I'm also gonna yeah. say this is gonna be a longer episode. This is gonna be a two parter. Buckle down. It's going to be fun going through these things. Uh, yeah, so the structure of this just gets you straight into it. It talks about Fistandia's mansion. Um, this other... Uh, was she an avowed? Fistandia? I don't believe I don't think so, she was. She, I think she, she just was be. hanging out here. Um, and this was her place that she had been granted by a friend or somebody or something. I can't... It's later yeah, on her, down. Her, her and a good friend like do stuff together here. Yeah, they hang out. Uh, and you're trapped and you need to get out players go run around do things very level one-esque very level one-esque I mean, well, what what can you do there's there's honestly not much content in this adventure but it's level one yeah i mean there's only so much you can do with these level <laughs> one characters where they won't die so 
we can pretty much sum up the entire thing right now and then dive into anything else that you want to talk about for it, monsters, etc. But basically, your, your goal for the players is to be able to find these puzzle books that give them the word they need to get out, which is liberty. And correct me if I'm wrong, Braxton. You don't even know you need no. these books until much later. No. So you have to go back through all these rooms to find these That's books. my issue with this is I hate doors. I hate them. Uh-huh. I hate them. And you have to go through so many doors. And there are rooms that have nothing in them. And whenever it I guess says... That's the, that's the mystery. mystery. And, it, and when it says there's a book... All it says for your you DMs, it says puzzle book. There's no DC to find. Well, the first one is, but for the other ones, sometimes it just says it's there. And it's just a letter. And it's just a letter. A letter. You, at some point, your players can figure it out. Maybe they I mean, can. honestly, if you want to make it a, like super mysterious and hard, an actual kind of a puzzle to find, you'd have to describe the room so well that you're not pointing out this. Because, yes. I mean, players are very good and very apt at... Oh, the DM described this? If your DM this, says something... Go to it. Yeah, because they can't describe everything. So then, you know, they, they say... My my issue with this is there's a very real possibility your players don't get out of here. It is entirely possible they don't get a book, they don't get enough, or they die. Because honestly, if you've got four players, you'd probably be fine, but... True. Though you could, that's when you could argue that the DM, you know, can pull out the, uh, the, homunc- the, what is the homunculus right yeah, here. There's two, two of them. them. They could help out in the some cats way because they could don't maybe want... try to lead them places. Yeah, because the homunculus don't want these guys in their master's house. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. So they could that could be an incentive to help the players lead. Definitely, as a DM, find your way to give directed hints because if you truly left this as the adventure is, the way to find books, etc., figure it out. It's not up front. They could get yeah. stuck. It's fun. It's enjoyable, but it's not my favorite. Um, it also doesn't really give me a mystery vibe. It's more of a kind of a whimsical exploration feeling adventure. There's also a portion where you have to spend 30 minutes investigating something in order to Fun. get something. Uh, and I can't, oh, let me try to find it. Let me try to find it here. Cause I was really annoyed and Ryan, you've told me about this and it never upset me before. If characters spend 30 minutes investigating the books in M5 study, that room, they discover the following facts and it lists off some facts. Yeah. And these aren't things that you necessarily need to have at all, but the last one is fearful that guests might become trapped in the mansion of Stania. Vistandia, great, I'm saying that correct, hid the command word. Yeah, there's a chance if you're care, what do you, you, my players have to say, oh, they spent, th- I'm going to spend exactly 30 minutes studying this room. No, your player's yeah. going to come uh, in, perception <laughs> check, get the fuck out. What? I'd keep this behind a, behind an investigation check. Yeah. Why? Why? I hate this effect. Maybe, a, maybe a semi high DC, but not too high. Yeah. Like, how do you judge? Th- I mean, if your players Honestly, are. Honestly, I would say if the DC, if they hit, if they do a low. Yeah, I do this a lot for my DCs. I'll have, you know, a high DC, they learn all the information. Hmm. A middle DC, they learn, you know, some of it. So if they didn't roll great, still to give them, you know, to push the, the adventure along, I'd say they find out that Fistandia has a command word to leave somewhere in here. Yeah. Somewhere in here. And then maybe they'd pick on, okay, maybe it's all these books that we've been seeing that only have a letter on it. Yeah. So that's that's my biggest issue. Whenever I see that, I'm like... How do you guarantee? There is no guarantee. And of course, they don't want you to find this. This isn't a guarantee, but I just hate it. Sure. We're not playing D&D in real time. I'm sorry. So don't use real time numbers. It sounds like we're shitting all over this. And it's honestly, it's not a bad quest, no. but it's not my favorite. No, this is my probably second 
least favorite amongst the seven that we've Do we move read. on? I think we move on. I mean, there's like some fun mimics. There's a bunch of books that can attack your friends. Oh, then it, then it ends with you coming back out and you have to fight the imp that killed. 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 Yes. Killed Matreus. Killed. Not if they take X amount of time, he's alive. Not he's cowering under the table and being attacked. Dead. 100%. So to me, this whole thing is very railroady and they want you to do certain things. But it's still not guaranteed that you do those certain things. There's like a very clear path on how right. to do this. So that's that's why this isn't my favorite. So I don't like it that much. Next, what do we got? Mazroth, Ma- Mazfroth's, Mazfroth's mighty digressions. Yeah. Well, let me see. What were my notes here? This is written by Allison Huang. Uh, she wrote adventures. She's a lot of the ones authors I'm gonna talk about. They, they've done other things, but this is like the big thing that that caught my eye. She's written adventures for the Uncaged anthology, which is this fantastic DMs guild. I think they've done four, maybe, um, but they're all really, really good. I believe they are all um, female writers, and they are all uh, based around like mythology. They're very good, very, very good. I highly recommend it. That's really cool. Oh yeah. So what's this one all about? What does it look like? This one's uh, this one gets uh, gets a little better for me. Yeah, personally, there's more to it. Um, this has the whole finding the book stuff, but the plot is not exactly tied directly to them finding it in the um library. You can get it in otherwise. Yeah. And something else I like about the start of this is it gives the players the options about not caring about the hook here and gives you ways to get the players to it if you need to conversely the previous one was just like you gotta do it this one is like there are these books that have turned into monsters and have hurt people in the library and this is a thing that's been going on in Candlekeep. and there's legitimately you're the at some point it says the player might not care i don't know but there are these people that ask them hey can you investigate this if I recall. Right. It does say kind of like you have to have the book, but yeah, you don't have to have that. You can just have them attacking and that, that's a way to do it. But I guess if you're a DM that just goes straight off how the book is, then this could also be a tough plot hook to give to the players because you just got to find the book in the library yeah. technically. I mean, really, if you're... As Braxton said, there's other options. Yeah, if you're coming to Candlekeep and you as a DM have set, there's going to be a lot of information in here. Feel free to pick a topic and ask these guys. This is probably one of the more common ones that you might run into. Magic and the weave. How does magic work? I want to know. Lycanthropy and its origins. I want to know how these people turn into animals. Cool. Maybe this does solve Braxton's problem of having more knowledge in this book. Yes. This talks about all the different things that you can, if a player is just reading through and scanning through this novel, then they can learn all sorts of different things about the abyss, about uh, lycanthropy, about magic. Very cool. All right. So uh, how do they find this book? Like what happens when they find it? What goes on? They get attacked. It turns into a gingawatsum. What's that? I could, I, for the it's, longest time, I was, re- I was seeing that word, but I wasn't reading it. <laughs> so gingawatsum is this, I, I don't know if it says it's, cons- it's only specifically a book. I don't believe so. Um, but it's a it can be thing any that small can, animal or object. It can look like other things. It's like a mimic, but kind of scarier. I don't know. Um, but it's the book. This book is a Gingawatsum and it attacks them and they says it's, it says it needs to be fed and it needs life and then they kill it. And then that's when they learn more that a lot of these books 
a lot of books have been having this problem. Can we talk about a list of books? Okay, so there have been two people that have brought books that we know have turned into yeah, things. So this is where, to me, the actual mysteries of this Candlekeep Mysteries yes. begin. Because this is some piecing together Sherlock Holmes stuff. And it's it's nice. So if you find out about these two people and you get told by the avowed what they, what they know, they, they basically know there's records of who brings what to these people are Hilarion High Squirrel, a 26-year-old human acolyte, and they give some descriptions of what she's like, some great information there, brought the book 10 days ago, um, the digression specifically was brought here, the one that the players found. Uh, and Valor, a tiefling who brought, guess what? The Dark Hunger. The tiefling brings the cool fancy thing about aberrations. Hell yeah. I was oh. down for this shit. Let's go. I got super excited, but Valor is <laughs> not into that kind of stuff. So I was very sad. But the cool, hey, mysteries. You have people yeah, to track like, out. Feels like a puzzle feel like a puzzle the players can slowly piece together and figure out the greater story and that's kind of how this whole adventure plays out eventually they, they track down where these books like where the people got these books and it all tracks back to a certain marketplace in Waterdeep. yes this was the first time it goes outside of candlekeep and i was really surprised because i was expecting all of these to be in candlekeep so i was happy that it yeah. wasn't and it's like oh i'm i'm happy and 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 Hmm. Yeah. What do you and what? Bad. I, I I I did read this wrong. I don't know why my mind replaced Baldur's Gate with Waterdeep. It is not Waterdeep. It is Baldur's Gate. That makes me feel a little better because Waterdeep is a very large city. It's very hard to run. Mm -hmm. Baldur's Gate, a little easier. Waterdeep does happen later on, though. Yes. Yes. Quite uh, often. So. This takes you takes the players to Baldur's Gate. Mm -hmm. That's my fault. Um, I like I like this travel mechanic. Taking them away is stuff that can happen on the way. Um, There's a lycanthrope like, looter like that can show up. Yes, and he comes back later, which is a very cute mechanic. Yeah, I love that kind of stuff. So you can go through a bunch of stuff. It, it dictates how they can find this stall. If you do talk to those two previous people at some point, they can give you the name and it can be a bit easier to figure it out. You go straight there. Easy peasy squeezy lemon. Lemons. Amber Dune Books. This is where our culprits are. This is where mm -hmm. they hang out. They've been running this ring of turning these... What's the word, Ryan? Give me the word. What are the monsters? Gingawatsum. They've been turning these things into books. Copies of books they own. So they're basically just reselling books over and over and over again. For yeah. pretty good prices. It's like buying a Blu-ray, recording it, They're pirating. and then selling it to other people. Yeah, it's like buying a movie that eats you alive. <laughs> kind of. You know, it happens. So these guys are pretty cool. They're jackalwares. They're doing this. They're doing this because they want to resurrect their leader. Lamia person. Yes. Leads them. They don't have the money. So they're getting the money to pay someone to resurrect her. Yeah. And we, we can get super into this, but they get some great descriptions about these people their motives their yes. ideals and the thing i love is by the end of it there's no clear these guys are in the bad and the goal is to kill them you can do this entirely yes. without fighting you can do this entirely cooperatively and even get allies out of it and gives lots of options yeah you can help them revive their leader and she can be an ally apparently bad yeah. yeah so i love like i like what this does i like what they give 
I think it's a fun quest that feels worldly, builds things out, and lets your players explore and experience stuff. This could be like two to three sessions. Yeah, there's some cool lore. There's some cool backstory stuff you can learn here. Yeah. I, I am all about Maz Froth's mighty digressions. Hell yeah. So, I mean, there's even stuff about Corvala being under the effect of their leader, a, a Gios spell that prevents her from divulging secrets. It's, it's like, oh, a lot of cool stuff. All right. Anything else you want to mention about this one in particular? No. That's about it. All right. Cool. This one I do like. Mm-hmm. So, Written by your boy Chris Perkins. Chris Perkins. Book of the Raven. Those of you who don't know Chris, then where you been living? This guy has been working for D&D for a long time. He wrote Curse of Strahd. He's worked on lots of different stuff. Uh, cool dude. This is the most unique looking book so far, and it's described as two wood planks uh, bound together, patchwork, just a few pages in between. It's been pecked at by a raven that brought it to Candlekeep and was picked up by the Avowed, and they called it the Book of the Book of the Raven because it was brought I by a raven. I feel like he was working on the Ravenloft book and came up with this at the same time. Well, there's even a point in this where a, a specific mansion is mentioned and i am sure it's the mansion later on but i i'm trying to think it's like maybe it was strad's mansion probably not so what goes on here how do the players find this book well if they want to look up stuff about the vistani and other planar travelers or possible routes into and out of the shadow fell or a raven brings it to them how which fun. i love yeah this was one of the ones where i was like man if i hadn't read this ryan would totally run this shit in our thing <laughs> God. It's so cool, especially because the raven has a soul of a girl Who's, that died at this place that yeah. comes up later. I mean, it's all that's, it's all put together. Plot hooks that this is the plot hooks that I was I wanted. I wanted stuff like this that you can just drag and drop. Literally have a raven fly in, drop a book, and fly off. Now, do you think that's a product of being third level or just Christopher Perkins bringing in the heat? It's just Chris Perkins. <laughs> I, I have I have a soft spot for Chris Perkins no, personally, but this is a fun one to read. I didn't find myself trailing off. I was enamored by the lore. It's easy to palette. It's not too long, but there's a great depth. This this could be a very lengthy. It's not really a one. Yeah, there's shot. a lot within this book too. Yeah, uh, that we're definitely not gonna, gonna get into. But it's a bunch of lore on the uh, Vistani mm -hmm. and the. So uh, the short stuff, and short cool. of it is basically there, this girl that has been trapped inside the Raven mm -hmm. is a part of murders that took place in this one mansion of this Lord who she served, I believe. Is that correct? Is that this one? No. I Am I mixing up the other one? With, yes. Okay. This one. Is this about the little, <laughs> little Ravens? Well, yeah, it's Hold called on. Book of the Ravens. So probably. Hold on. Let me see here. Shall I bear thanks? Okay, so this is about the um they're are they like girls? Uh that was the last one. Yes, I know. Hold on. I'm trying to remember. Let me scroll down. I mean, I think there are there is there are there some are. rare ravens yes, in here. Those things. Yeah. Yes, I can't remember now. It's really cool. I mean, what else is there to say about this one in particular other than it's it's nice to give you a little map of things to follow. They dictate what can happen along the yes. journey. Um I I like it. Um the map idea is cool. I like giving things to the players. Um, I think because of the way it's structured, too, you very can very easily make your own map mm. and pull it up with your own stuff inside. The whole point is to get to... Uh, uh, you have to start at this one place called Which Way and move your way all the way through yeah. it. There could be encounters and stuff. Uh, it doesn't necessarily say there are any. Um, 
but you can include your own and i would yeah. highly recommend that you do and uh the raven kind here the kindness the group of of raven where folk yeah once we get to the chalet right yeah yeah, yeah. when you get to the chalet which is yeah. kind of like the the climax of it you That's don't have to fight starts. them they are the type of people that will leave they won't fight but you can befriend them, gain allies through it, but they're going to try to scare the ever-living poop out of you when you get here. It's a little spooky vibes and whatnot, you know? I think the the only problem with going all the way to Chalet Brontifax is, to me personally, and Braxton, you know, you've been a player longer than I have. For me, looking at this as a player, there's no real reason to go on this adventure besides the thrill of the hunt. You know, where would this map lead me? And I'm sure a lot of players would bite that, but I'm... There's probably some players like, I don't yeah. care. So the the reason, like, this is something you pull out if you know you've got somebody who follows the Raven Queen. Yeah. If you've got... The story happens later. Yeah. You don't really know anything about this until you get to the chalet. Yeah. So if you if your players are wanting to go to the Shadowfell, you have a Raven drop this book off on them. And by the end, if things go right, they can get an entrance and exit consistently in and out of the Shadowfell. What? So that's the whole point of this book, truly. That's that's what you get from it. There's some nice items here and there, and you can have I um you can even turn into one of these were ravens, which gives you a pretty beefy boost to your decks. Yeah, where's the where's the lineage for that, man? I don't know, dude. <laughs> Maybe it'll come out, but you can. I love I so these things have mimicry, and I love mimicry oh, no. as a as a DM. They can add so much Wendigos. fear and tension. I mean, of course the. Players have to do a little buy-in because they know it's coming from the DM, mm. especially once you start mimicking the voices of the players. That's when it gets a little a little complicated from the role play. But this gives you a bunch of options for what they're mimicking on a on a on a roll sheet. And I I love it. Like it says mimics a laughing child, which sounds like it's coming from the attic nursery. I almost don't want them to be in a table. I want it to just, this happens as the players are walking down the hallway you next to the attic can. nursery. I love it. Yeah. I love it. I, I could see the players getting so spooked and scared, especially because these these ravens don't want to fight. They're they're more curious on what these players are doing mm -hmm. here. So this is a rundown chalet. What the hell are these people doing? And I think it even says if your players don't have weapons and they're not heavily armed, they'll just talk to you. Yes. yes. So it's really Which cool. Which is ideally probably what the players want. Yeah. And I think you, you said it earlier, but the note that I, this has one of the least amount of notes in mind, which is why I was struggling to remember what it was. Uh, I said, quaint, fun, lacking in direction, but that isn't necessarily bad. Lots of room for plug and play, sad lore, friendly, yes. non-combat. Yeah. Yeah. This is the, this is kind of more the mystery stuff I was expecting. And per Chris Perkins writing style, it's dripping in atmosphere. Absolutely. This, this looks like it could be straight out of Curse of Strahd. Yeah. The, that like the descriptions. So personally, the descriptions on a lot of Wizards of the Coast content are either hit or miss for me. Yeah. Like, you know, I'm talking about the big block section you're supposed to read to your players. Every single one here, I think, is fantastic. Just this one sentence paints the amazing picture of the door farthest from you swings open on rusty hinges. And beyond it, you see a smaller, almost sepulcher-like or sepulcher chamber. That's all. That's amazing. There's obviously more to that description, yeah. but that's beautiful. I love that I love you it. can, this really leans into D&D &D and it says joining the Scarlet Sash. You can do it and gain benefits from it. It's you not some restrictive video game. Like, you want to join the fucking Ravens and become a Raven? You do it. You do you. You be you. I so know. So I love Perkins, right? Yeah, Chris, I love Perkins. Chris Perkins, cool guy. But this has a problem. <gasps> what? As cool as it is to go to the Shadowfell, 
I mean, I love the Shadowfell. Third right? level dead. This is third level, and it's not just that the Shadowfell is inherently oh, hard. Oh God! What they what oh. they give you that is on the other side of this Shadow Crossing is insane. Keep in mind, level three, right? There's yeah. two gargoyles, twelve ghouls, and then a white. Okay, that is in. Same. Now, they don't have to fight you all at once. The 12 ghouls fight uh, with the white nine times out of ten, I would say, because if you're fighting the ghouls, the white will hear it, and the white says it comes out of it here is fighting. So, this is very dangerous. Yeah. I guess you could say if they have the were-ravens on their side, maybe they'll come with them. I don't think it so, because says they won't. Yeah, there's a part where it says the Ravens actually cover back up the Shadow Crossing. So, like, okay, the players just died. <laughs> Let's leave them there. Uh, to me, between you and me, Braxton, I think ghouls are, they punch, they punch higher than their, than their challenge. Yeah. These guys are insane. And to have 12 near, they only have 22 hit points, right? 22 hit points. That's, that's small. 12 AC. But they paralyze you. Yeah. They paralyze you with a hit of their of their claws. So I'm glad they recommend four to six players. They say you can do three, you can do seven, but you're gonna need to adjust some things. There's even yeah, the DC is the DC is ten for those ghouls. Okay, but there's twelve. So you're gonna get so bopped. That's, yeah, bop. But that's a that's still a lot of that paralyzed that you gotta roll. Yeah, I mean, yeah. So I mean, you get bopped, paralyzed rolls coming in for you. Yeah. There's also a figurine of Orcus. That if you meet some weird circumstances, which probably is not going to happen, and even then there's a 10% chance of it going on, but you can summon a freaking avatar of Orcus as a wraith, and he's going to kill you, probably. Honestly, between you and me, that, that avatar of Orcus, kind of lame. It's a little I lame. would imagine the avatar of the god of death would be much more badass, but... It's a small figurine, yeah. so it's a small avatar, I guess. Yeah, it's just world building for them. They don't like Regardless. evil things, they want to get rid of it, blah, blah, blah. Regardless, Chris Perkins is a madman for having this stuff in there. Chris Perkins is a madman. I completely forgot about that part. Level three. Yeah, I was oh, like, wait, hold on. Level three. That's like Death House level of like, you guys are I had just to gone. read that like four or five times before I was like, this, <laughs> this is a part of, yeah, this just, okay. Yeah. All right. It, 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 it's a gauntlet. You kill, if you, if the gargoyles attack, which I don't know why they wouldn't. It says if they are destroyed or the players move 30 feet away, then the 12, 12 ghouls come in four groups of three. Yeah. Yeah. And then the white comes out. And then the white comes out. And white's hard enough as it is for this level. Well, hey. So whatever. That's, that's the book of the Raven. Maybe you yeah, came through. Yeah. Killed them all. Somehow. You've definitely gained a level by this point, right? Hopefully. Yeah, well, let's jump into that first fourth level adventure, A Deep and Creeping Darkness. Written by Sarah Madsen, Sarah Madsen, who is a freelance writer who's worked for a lot of different companies, but notably Cobalt Press. Nice, nice, nice. A Creeping Darkness came to Candlekeep with another group of adventurers. Found among them was, you know, this book. It was the it was a bard dude whose uh -huh. granddaughter found it in his old possessions. Ew. This is a story um, that this particular dude chronicled, I believe, Dungeon Chronicles, maybe not, um, <laughs> about a terrible accident in a platinum mine where villagers started disappearing. And, if, right. you know, eventually everybody left this village, blah, blah, blah. He wasn't the best of bards in this writing book here. It's kind of crazy. The harrowing's messy. 
but hey, they accepted it. It's all right. It's all cool. Where do we go from there, though? What happens? By the book, right. as always. How do we find it? Luckily, there's a few different ways. Yeah. Um, you can either get a contract, get the get the plot hook. Unfortunately, a couple of these adventures have missed the getting the plot hook section of a quest. Yeah. Um, but you get the plot hook from a mining and exploration group to find out what happened to this place. Um, apparently, they did some divination magic and learned that there's a book that has this mystery, so they send you to find it. The other option is finding the book at Candlekeep, but I much prefer the top option. Doesn't even have to be exactly that, but just receiving a contract from anywhere could help. Yeah, imagine having a player in D&D that goes, yes, I go to Candlekeep and I want to learn about the mining industry. Right. Make money. I, I do like, though, in the quest description, or in the plot hook description, it even says that they give the players a book as a means of entrance, but it just barely gets them in. Yeah. So there is a long, compared to everything we've read so yeah. far, exposition of stuff that you almost really don't need to know, to be honest. Yeah, so we're, we're, we'll, we'll kind of skim through this adventure because it is, it is pretty lengthy. Yeah, we'll skim through it. But what I will say is the note I had after finishing the Tale of Tragedy and Terror is honestly just had fun reading the long intro. Cool. It's a pretty, pretty nice story. Essentially, this was an early. If you guys follow us on Twitter... I did tweet that this was my early favorite. Oh, I remember that one, actually. I looked that up because I remember you doing it. I was like, what are you talking about? So basically, there was this mine that was found in this village, and this village started really prospering because there's a lot of platinum here. People start disappearing. Stuff goes <sighs> weird. People are having nightmares, and then the village is gone. But the truth, and I was just like, okay, I guess we're just like spoiling this going right now. I was like, okay, well, I'm the DM. I'm supposed to be spoiled. Uh, yeah. the chaos behind everything are these monsters that are twisting and changing people into more of themselves through psychic and physical torture called mean locks. These guys. This is the guy I that Ryan was talking about in the beginning. They're nasty. They, They're in the monster manual and I feel like they get looked over. Yeah. I didn't know they existed at all. I, 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 I feel like I've probably looked at these guys before. I was like, eh. I'm Next, surprised these now weren't I'm, in a thing that you did for us in our campaign earlier. It just blows my mind how cool these guys are. They, they, for the longest time, sit and stalk, make people go crazy. And they've been in the mines. And these miners, you know, were caused to be in this perilous situation due to the collapse of the mine with these fucking things going insane. Imagine being trapped in the darkness and you guys are having nightmares about being crushed and suffocated under rocks and you can't move. And then you wake Terrifying. up and your friends are gone. And there's this massive clawed beast paralyzing you, turning you into itself. What? Terrifying. Super scary. Basically, the whole thing is figuring out that mystery. There's this is a horror mystery for sure. One of my favorite NPCs is in this. Mr. Lucas. Oh, Lucas. That image of him. Whoever made that. That image of him tells a story in itself. Yeah. He basically lost his wife uh, during that whole situation in the mines, asks the players to go there, find her, and do a little bit of a rite for her. And there's like a nice little side quest where if you do the thing he asks, there's a sigh on the wind. It's so quaint. And then the second mm -hmm. NPC they introduce is like, I don't even know why she's there. They actually, <laughs> but, you know, they're cool. Yeah, they don't give That's a just supposed to you know, kind of paint the, the picture, I guess. Yeah. Um. I love this adventure. Yeah. I love how it's set up. You learn about, you hear it about the, you know, this place from this book and then you, you then hear more about it by, from Lucas and from this lady and you get another reason to continue along. Like, even if you like, didn't care about the initial plot hook, 
Now you got this lovable fellow Lucas who's saying, if you're headed that direction, can you help me out? He just I mean, looks how can you so say no friendly. That? I mean, it even says in his personality is that he looks forward to death when it finally comes. I'm He's glad you talked guy. about that because He's there's so a typo. Sad. Okay. Personality trait, the first word. Read it. Every since my wife every, died. Since my wife died. Come on, delete the Y, guys. It's oh, not that hard. Okay. Who edited all this? Right. It's the only typo I came across. I wrote typo in all caps on my notes. <laughs> uh, okay, so we could go. We could go. That's pretty much it, right? We can. Um, but I will say a word of caution for DMs. This is a not not an easy mm. adventure to run. Horror is never easy to run. Period. But this one's very particularly hard because A, mean locks similar to ghouls that I mentioned before are no joke for a low level party. This is level four. It's still fairly low level. And there, it mentions there's six of these. There's six of these in, in the area that's mm -hmm. stalking them and following them. If they, if those six just attack, they'll probably They're hunters. Win. So they're not even yes. going to attack first. They might successfully well, steal any players. To, yeah, you have to play it right. If you, if you just have them attack, they'll probably win. But you have to have them Play them just as Braxton mentioned. As they are written, they are hunters. They will stalk the party. They will not have an all-out fight. This is more fun. Mm -hmm. Period. This is this is this is the goal of the DM with these guys is to isolate a player, have small skirmishes, eventually hopefully pick off a player, or pick off a mean lock for the players, which will thin the fight for later, because eventually it will all come to a big final fight. The problem with this overall is it's very much a bland adventure mm. without these guys. Yeah. There's an area that I guarantee if these mean locks weren't in, Braxton would despise playing through this <laughs> because you walk through this house, there this is house. literally no information. There's nothing. No items really in this whole area. There's one. It is, there's, it's, it's fairly bland. There's no real point to go here, no. right? But if you're exploring this kind of creepy manner and with these room terrifying after room. sounds, seeing some seeing some movement out of the corner of your eye, that will make it so much better. Yeah. That's the perfect chance to mess around with, with these mean locks. Yeah. So if you screw that up, this will be a very boring adventure. So go into that. Get some music. With that in mind. Music. Very good. Sound effects. There's one thing I do like. There's a lot of Dark Souls level hidden lore, like a painting with a ring in it. That you can find on one of these things that tells you, oh, it was mm. turned. Like, I was like, oh, oh, yes. Yes. Yeah. So the items in this, in these adventures are very interesting mm -hmm. because they are, there's sometimes a lot of them that I would put in adventure. Like, I don't put too many magical items in my game. Um, and I feel like there's a lot in some of these adventures. But it's important to know that these also could just be one shots. And so it's fun to have a little item to kind of, you know, boost the, power level of your party a little bit so i think we're set on this one and i don't know if i want to preface the next one with this or not i was gonna have you guess i was gonna have I you guess question yeah, go ahead. i think we just hit the, the halfway point for for this we've had two hour episodes before list. i mean unless you need to go so to bed. you want to just you want to just go yeah. through it yeah i'm down okay all right we're doing a chonker an episode chonker. Everybody. We're, gonna have, we're gonna have two of them too oh boy Okay, so yes, can it? Can I get your initial thoughts on this one? Okay, so this is Shim Shim Shimmies Shim Shimes Shim Shimes bedtime rap. Yeah. I don't know how you're supposed to. Honestly, these books of D and D lore need to have pronunciation. pronunciations. Yeah. 
I have no idea how some of this, this crap is. I also pronounced. need to have a tune for the thing in this because I don't know it's how to there's a, there's read a rhyme it. Yes. They're like, oh, it's um, like mm, catchy. I'm like, I can't. I can't. I'm not a lyricist. But I don't know. So this is written by Ari Levitch. Those of you who listened to our last episode, I think it was our last one, um, will recognize the name of this guy. Uh, he writes a lot. Uh, he's a narrative designer. He's worked on some of the Unearthed Arcana stuff. He's worked on Guild's Master Ravnica book. Uh, <laughs> Bless you. Oh, my God. He's worked, sorry. He's worked on the Avernus book. This guy has been around. So uh, he's definitely got some chops. Let's see how they stack up in the book. Mm. Uh, I'll, 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 you know, I'm just going to we'll, yeah. we'll cut to the chase. We could talk about all these adventures ad nauseum. I'll, I'll break it down real yeah, quick ahead. and we'll talk about what we think of yeah. it. So it's basically uh, the players are staying the night somewhere. Someone starts humming the song and it gets stuck in everyone's head. It's contagious. And it's it's contagious. It's like it's like a plague. And so someone there decides to lock everybody in to figure out what the hell is going on. And there's a couple of events that transpire throughout here, and that kind of boosts up the intensity of what's going on. Braxton did mention there's this rhyme that you have to get right. It's a very important rhyme. Um and then it kind of the end, the, the final event is this shim shime, shim shimmy guy shows himself. And he is a big confrontation. Um, a lot of the adventure part of this is trying to piece together what's going on, talking to the other NPCs that are with you. Um, this is your then, uh, stereotypic kind of, kind of jump scare horror movie where the, mo- the big monster gets revealed. It's the Insidiouses. It's the Babadook. This is what this is styled after to me. Okay. This is what I got. See, I from didn't it. get that vibe, but I, I, I kind of, I can see where you're coming that's from. That's the structure. It might not be the vibe, but that's the structure of it. Sure, for sure. Okay, yeah. Like the thing, everybody's that. trapped in a room together with a thing. Right, <laughs> nice and you're words. kind of talking about it, seeing what's going on. Yeah, yeah. So, I am going to say this is the hardest one to run, hands 100%. down, hands 100%. down, and that is because you are making your players do something. That they aren't doing and they have to be into it and they have to go with it. Otherwise, your players can be like, I'm not humming this song. Like, no, you're humming the song, but I'm not humming it. It's like, do your players hum it and do it on their own? And do they hum it whenever they want? Or do you? Well, not even that. To not hum it, you have to concentrate. You have to do concentration. So my character be fucked. If you use concentration spells, you start humming. If you use verbal semantic or verbal spells, you can't do them. So unless you want to hum. Unless you want to hum. You know, so which doesn't necessarily have a downside. It's not. It's not necessarily a downside. But you know, the longer the song goes, it's basically a summoning ritual for Shimshime, Shimshimmy, whatever. I, I cannot yeah. figure out how how to read his name or the rhyme or what the tune is. I don't know. This guy just wrote it and was like, if "You're gonna be it out. a terrible, terrible, big bad demon." Have an easier to pronounce name yeah. for Christ's sake. I think he tried. This is so. I want to say now. This is my least favorite one. By far, this is my least favorite one. Wow. It is the most railroady. There are no options. It just plays out. There's only one very specific way to kill the monster. You literally are True. locked in a room. And you make your players do things like humming something. You can break out, though. You can't, but it's hard. As it's hard. Mother of yeah. God. Like 25 DC to hit it yeah. at all the lock that's on this thing and somebody's going to probably defend it pretty hardcore. Uh-huh. I think there's some great NPC interactions. There's some nicely yes. written stuff. There's With some the quarantine. Yes. There's great moments. 
a, a small girl beating somebody with a book to get it from them. Yeah. There's some powerful moments here, but the reason I dislike this so much is it's it's like what what's this guy's name again? It's it's like Ari wanted to write a movie and put no player agency in it at all. Well, it's very it's I don't know it's very hard to do this adventure right. Like you were saying, you gotta get the rhyme down. Mm-hmm. You have to pace it mm-hmm. very well. If you if you pace this poorly, um. Then the single, there's only one, technically one combat encounter at the very end. Yeah. And that has to feel like a good send off for the adventure. Otherwise, it's just kind of, okay, we get to leave now, I guess. Yeah. You have to tweak the events, not tweak, you have to time them well. If you time these events poorly, then it also will be paced weirdly. It's a tough thing to just... I mean, you can technically drag and drop. It's probably the most portable adventure that we've read so far. You just have the players spend the night in a somewhat celery-type area, and boom, it happens. But it is... It's tough. It is very tough to run. I don't even think the final boss is very hard. You can't kill him unless you do a very specific thing. But you also have the help of all the NPCs. very true. Because they all have stat blocks, so it makes it even easier. I there's some it's cool, a cool idea. It's a cool idea. There's some cool haunting effects that happen at near the end, near the climax. But all in yes. all, like this to me, extremely railroaded. Lots of wishful thinking and ugh, banking on advanced RP happening here on the DM's end and the players end. Like if this was filled with me and Ryan as players and a stellar DM, we could do it. This could happen. You have to master the NPCs as well. The NPCs and the pacing are by far, I guess the rhyme too, are by far the most important stuff here. If you fail any one of those, the whole adventure falls apart. Yeah. This is the hardest one to run, and I think it can have a lot of payoff, but to me, it's the worst written one. I genuinely think that. I was upset reading this thing. Damn. So yeah. Pissing off Braxton. Piss me out. I mean, I don't want to get upset. Like, this is far better than anything I could ever write. At least now, until I start actually getting better at it. So it was good inspiration on how to write a movie, but not how to write an interactive adventure. This is like a sit and watch sort of thing. Quick time events, etc. You know? All right. I'm done shitting on it. I was so so excited to shit on it. That's my least favorite one. So I don't know if we've gotten to yours yet or... No, we've not. What? Don't say that it's the next one. I'm not saying anything until we get to this next one's called The Price of Beauty, everybody. Written by Mark Humes. Does that sound familiar? Does that sound familiar, buddy? He is a very famous individual. He DMs for the uh, actual play High Rollers. He's been on Critical Role. He's a very busy guy. Uh, and this is a very cool adventure. Yeah. Yeah. Short. I'll just get short to the you know, long story right. short. This basically is you find this cool it's ass book, so cool. which, which again, doesn't have to just be simply finding it. Uh, there are other ways an acolyte can bring it up to the players. Um, I actually said the hook actually, was weak to me. That's later. That's later. I got that confused. Um, <clears throat> you do have to find it. Yeah, but it can it can it can come in any way shape or form as we talked before this is just the framing device um my issue with the beginning 
Uh, I, let me, okay, let me lay it out first. I'm sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Yeah, man. I could just describe every little detail, but so the, the basic adventure plot is they find this book, they get teleported inside of the book, and inside the book, there's all these, this cool kind of hotel-esque place run by these Spot badass- massage place, you yeah, can get your hair cut. attractive man. elves. Oh my God, everything's perfect here. They're hot. Well, turns out these elves are hags, Everything has been transformed. It's a very bad, scary place. They've kidnapped and trapped people here. You don't want to end up here, but you have, and now you got to figure out what comes next. And there's a couple of ways it can go. A lot of ways. Right? So my issue with how this starts is, let's say the players find the book, okay? Mm -hmm. The book is found. Book talks to you. Well, if you look it doesn't have it. to right away. No. It doesn't have to right mm -hmm. away. Which I guess might fix my problem. The the there's a lot of information that's described to you by this acolyte, yeah. Loris Niss. The only way that happens is if he sees the book. He has to see you holding the book, and there's very much a high possibility that the players see the book or take the book and put it somewhere else. I guess if it's in Candlekeep, you can't do that because he's a very important book. Yes. So you get someone watching you probably. Um, but let's say it's not in Candlekeep; it's in your own library. They could hide the book, put it somewhere else, or you could buy the book, whatever, and this acolyte won't see it. So I would very much have the acolyte, personally, I would have the acolyte say, hey, have you seen this book I'm looking for? Mm -hmm. You're like, oh yeah, we literally just picked it up, here it is. And then you can have the whole everything else play out. Um, besides that, I love how it starts. I love how the book talks to you. You look in the mirror, you kind of get this weird Sune god talking to you. And then the, the thing that you want does starts. happen. Yes. There's the pink thing, and he's looking for it. He's like, I'm looking for the... Oh, here it is. So, yeah, it does happen. But the trigger doesn't have to happen. So basically, this book looks at you, and the hag's whole thing is to try to beat on people's insecurities, get them in, make them do a As bargain. Do. Yeah, make them do a bargain with these paintings that they can only make if three of them work together with these rituals that each one of them knows. These paintings make... A wish come true. The hags all hate each other, They too. hate each other, of course. They don't want to work together, and they all want to kill the other person and take their part of the ritual. One but can, unfortunately, they have to work together to make it work. Yes. So it's it's fun, and they're cool, and they're really colorful characters, and they are by far my favorite NPCs in the entire thing. They write so much good stuff for them and how to play them, what they do, what they like, what they hate, what's going to happen in situations with them. The hard thing about this is this entire adventure is freeform. You have to know this mm -hmm. whole place and your players, they need direction. Otherwise, nothing technically happens. There's a few NPCs in here that can direct the players around, but you have to find them first. Yeah. And you have to gain their trust first, too. There's no events that just take place. You can spend all your time when you want here, you know, get your hair cut, get, go for a little bit of a swim maybe, you know, go with a bargain with a hag that makes you beautiful for like a year. And then after but that you year, you turn a into hag. a raisin. After a year, the exact opposite of your wish happens and the players can make this wish without ever finding out about the hags and get screwed. Genuinely, your players, after doing this, if they don't figure out their hags and they took one of those painting wishes, a year later, a year they get this you hex have on to them. Do, though. I agree with what you're That's saying. That's amazing. What, what, the, what the DM has to do is not just do that. If they're if the players are going along with what these hags are doing, these elf ladies are doing, you have to go even a step farther. There's so many ways this this adventure can go. Mm -hmm. You can work with the hags, make that happen. 
uh, you know, make a have a bargain, um, kill Cyrena and Sil Silvari, the, the two very important good NPCs in here that basically got screwed over by these hags. Yeah. Um, but obviously the hags would lie and say, oh my God, these guys are terrible people, yada, yada. Or you could kill one of these people and realize, oh my God, what have we done? Then go confront the hags and that's when all hell breaks loose. You could work with a single hag to kind of sow uh, you know, problems with the other hag. You could just kill the hags. I mean, there's so many fun options. And one of them can end with you not even knowing that you just helped out a bunch of bad people kill a bunch of good people. Yep. So, if you do happen to be cursed, it's not permanent. If you destroy a painting, it reverts. But it's very likely that whatever, you know, the curse was that reversed on you, if you wish for super strength, like one of the dragonborns here had, she became super, super weak and can't even hold a broom properly, the, the thing says. So, you're going to need your buddies to help you destroy that painting and fix it up. But I hate, hate that this is a thing that can affect you ages down when you're like level eight or nine way out a year's a long time in a campaign and you forget and the dm goes yeah um you know how you wished you were really rich and popular now you've got no money and you have massive debt and everybody literally just hates you can you imagine if this happens in the in the campaign epilogue like dude like you're like hey this is what happened after the campaign ended screwed i i love it because there is a surefire way to fix it Otherwise, if it just said done, yeah, that, that could spark a whole new one shot adventure to go yeah. solve this problem. Unfortunately, by that point, the players would absolutely crush. Yes, these bags. they would. And but maybe they got stronger over this time. Maybe they did. No one killed them. Mm -hmm. So I, I love this one because of how free form it is uh, and how not railroaded it is. It's the exact opposite of the last one. Yes. The exact I opposite. wrote in my uh, notes for this, I think this is my favorite adventure so far. That's and literally as I said, my fave so far. Farther. Yeah. Whoa, we day. are. Dude, we're like, we're like this. Like <laughs> uh, my only problem with this, and I guess it makes sense when you think about it because you, the players don't know they're hags, but wouldn't this be a perfect spot for the hag lineages to make a yeah. impact? Yeah. But they don't. I mean, I guess that would kind of ruin the surprise they're hags, yeah. but... They're in Ravenloft, so just wait a little bit longer. Just wait a little guys. bit longer, then throw it in here. Next uh, is not really a book. It's a bunch of, bunch of roles that you... Guess what? Yeah, say it. Don't give a shit. I hate this one so much. I do not like this I'm one. I'm going back, I'm, actually. Let me give Graeme Barber some, some love here, though. He's got a wrote book of cylinders. Uh, he runs a blog called POC Gamer. And he's on Twitter and stuff. He does a lot of really, really cool stuff. I just happen to not like this adventure. So the reason I really dislike this one in particular is the start. It makes no sense why this comes to the players at all whatsoever. In a library of the smartest bookworms, scholars, and mages, they for some reason need the players to decipher a roll of toilet paper, put it in some dirt, and read it. For some reason, the sages have never done this. Ever. Oh, first of all, why would they? That's And second of all, why would the players figure this out? Exactly. But the reason the, the scholars 
would do would need this is they've heard about this prophecy from the person that brought this and said this is not a thing that happened in an ancient past but of something that will come and ruin uh-huh. you and so basically this is the supply of food and fish that these guys get from these frog people these lovely lovely group of frog people are going to be attacked by sa sa wanti wanti those guys snake snake boys and players, we need you to solve this thing because we know that this is going to happen. What is there to solve? You already know. Yeah, there's no puzzle. What? Is, what? Who? Where? Huh? <laughs> so I was like... I would skip hmm? all of that. Yeah. I would come to it and say, hey, we found out this. We need your help. Can you go kill the snake people, please? Yeah. Can you go figure out what's going on here? You know, give them the direction or have, the, have an acolyte say, hey, can you... Can you watch me while I do this? I don't know what if this book is going to come alive and attack me. We've had problems with that in the past with other books. So, and then that's when the the acolyte does the steps. Yeah, have, have this book get delivered problem. while the players are here. The first time they ever see this is, oh, like what we, oh, the acolyte that finds it isn't the smartest guy and he needs to index it and put it away. And the players, oh, can you help me? Like, sure. I kind of need to index this. I don't know what's going on. We got this dirt. Uh, got these little cylinders. There's a picture of water. I'll, what do I do? And then you figure it out. And then you're like, oh, do you know these frog people? It looks like they're going to get it. <gasps> That's our fish and crabs. We need our crabs. Can you go do this thing? And this is the most combat heavy one that I've read so far. 100%. It's the most, it's a very, very standard D&D fair. Yeah. And there's not a lot of. I don't really see a mystery in this either, personally. No. They tried to make it. You know mystery. what did it? Yeah. You know there's snake people. You know there's snake people. Right? Yeah. So, so you go there, kill snake people, get rewarded, come back solved. done. There's a crab maze. It's not I don't really like a maze. That. It's just I do not. I do not dig the cra- the crab maze mechanics <laughs> at all. I also don't like this. One a very specific part crabs. to get to this place. Okay, to get to yeah. I don't know this village. Okay, there's two mm-hmm. options. Mm-hmm. One, you take a boat. Okay, two. You go buy land. Not a big difference either way, right? Not really. But it does say that if you don't pick the, uh, if they don't take the, um, the what's the word I'm looking for? Take the boat, then and go buy land, then throw down, throw a encounter at them to punish them for not choosing the sea voyage. Whoa, whoa, how is that? Why is that punishment? I don't understand by having them choose. Hey, I don't trust this guy's going to be taking me to the sea voyage part of it. I'll walk there myself. Why is that a punishment? I don't know. I thought they should have an encounter on both. Encounters on ships are fun. <laughs> so still, Shim Shim Shimam is my least favorite in terms of it being D&D. This is my least favorite because it's this this ties it. I'm gonna say it ties it because it is just boring, weird, just, yeah, and there's no it's, point. It's a standard adventure. A standard I adventure. I wouldn't. This wouldn't be out of place in a Salt Marsh yeah. campaign or a Tomb of Annihilation game. And I'm not saying that like a knock on either of those campaigns. This is not a bad adventure. This is the not, start's just terrible. I mean, Tomb I of Annihilation has lots of quests that are like this. Ghost of Salt Marsh has quests that are like this. They're not bad. It's just it's not even not ty- the type of stuff that I like. Have to you run, seen personally. the art of the crab maze? It's cool. Oh my god, it looks like something out of Bloodborne, dude. The fishing hamlet it does. Ah, oh, but like 
it's I just cannot suspend my disbelief for the beginning that these scholars I know there's millions of books, but they have explicit it explicitly says the scholars have heard this prophecy and they I guess just put it off for ages because they were like, sure. yeah, we'll do it later when the players show up. Also, can I note they yeah, now no say <laughs> the characters instead of the players. And that has been you really know, bothering me. Is that only in this one or in the other ones too? Maybe it has said it in the other ones, but I've only noticed it in this one. In the player's handbook, it says the player, the player, the player. It does. It does say it in Price of Beauty as well. That must have been something they told the authors. In every single one, they they refer to them as the character. Yeah, that was obviously a conscious decision. I want to know why, but it confuses me because everybody's a character in this. NPCs. But to me, to me, that a character is somebody in the story, and that's everybody. So I'm like, what do you mean? Well, maybe they're, maybe they're doing that so NPCs can enjoy the quest as well if they so choose. Maybe. A DMNP, DMPC. It might have been something with like players. Maybe it has like there's ways to use that word in a negative context. Maybe they want to get away from it. I don't know. I just thought that very peculiar. Found that very peculiar. Okay, let's get off of this guy. Yeah, Book of Cylinders. Huh. Hey, That's we okay. we brought up the rear in 30 minutes from the last one. That's true. We did it. It's true. This is oh, it. We had a lot to explain at the beginning. I guess that's why. That's true. This is it. This is it. Sarah of Yellowcrest Manor. Manure. Sarah of the Yellowcrest Manor is what he means Re- to say. <laughs> written by Derek Ruiz. Derek. Uh, so this guy has written a few different adventures, uh, notably to me, something that I've actually used. Uh, he worked on Encounters on the Savage Seas 2 which is a grouping of encounters that happen on seas. Nice. It's the second one of that. Nice. This happens well, very, in uh, very cool. water deep. You're going. Yes. It's going to be tough. Well, it doesn't start there. It can. It can. And they subvert it. If you want. You're pointing, man. I, I want you to take this one, but I, I don't know. Like, what do you want to do? What do you want to do, what do, you do this guy? What do you guy? mean? I don't know. How do, you, how do you begin this guy? How do you start this adventure? Well, you know what? Because it's my favorite. Let's just go through it like we did the first one. Okay. Okay. All right. Because I love this adventure. This is my favorite one. I'm saying it right is now. Is it because the start of this one isn't just find a book? No. It's because the whole adventure is incredible. It's pretty good. How is this not your favorite? I don't know. There's eldritch energy going on yeah. here. There's ghosts going on here. I mean, I mean... There's a mystery. I mean, come on. okay. So <laughs> the framing of this is very cool. It's so cool. Um, because there's a ghost. Oh, sign me up. <laughs> so they're perusing stacks at Candlekeep, right? Mm-hmm. And then this spooky ghost. Sarah pops up. <laughs> if I have a spooky ghost, I'm definitely naming it Sarah. Move on. <laughs> Yeah, here comes the scary ghost, Sarah. She arrives. Um, and I mean, there's lots of ways that she can arrive, but eventually the players get the text, this nondescript kind of general text of the Sarah of Yellow Crest of Manor in some forgotten corner of the library. They can follow the ghost all the way there, or she can point to it, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> There's, there's tears streaming down her face. She tries to speak. Her tongue's cut out. What is going on? I know. Man. It's super cool. It's very much kind of like a banshee imagery stuff. With yeah. the, I don't know. This is a drawing cool. of her later down. It's really cool. Yeah. Uh, it does the background on the book and her. 
a very cool lore and a on, different to some of the other stuff we talk about. A lot of this lore is very applicable mm. and stuff that can come up with NPCs that talk about it, stuff that's inside the book, stuff that Sarah knows but can't say because she can't speak. She can yeah. point. She can, you know, nod. Um, I would even go to say is this is the most interesting book to read as well because it starts off she yes. i don't know if, i don't remember if she was a slave or she just like worked for the lord of Yellowcrest, but she didn't know how to read or write at the beginning of this book and the first few pages are just her writing her name mm-hmm. that's it so you you get to read this as she gets better and pretty dang good at, at writing and it turns into a diary basically uh and she chronicles about how she's kind of you know having you know, like a little flirty thing with this other guy that is in the village or is from somewhere. And that's nice. And she's kind of creeped out about the Lord a little bit because he's like murmuring to himself and like drawing strange circles in his manner. And she copies it down and puts it in her book. So you get to read that. And, you know, she sees a thing with like tentacles for legs and a bulbous head. And like, what's that? What's going on there? And then everybody in the manor's been murdered and the lord runs away to a different place and what mm-hmm. happened you guys and got figured out player can find out that this guy is casting the contact other plane spell i messaged ryan today because i had a misunderstanding about the spell and this is this is why we figured it out we did figure the, it out through the reading of this thank you um so uh, it's i mean it's a really intriguing interesting ghost murder story and then you toss in a little bit Eldritch stuff, and you're in for a good time. Dude, these cultists. Period. Oh, sorry, there's cultists. Basically, the 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 even the DM stuff is written for quite a bit, saying to the point that the family was murdered. Is murdered. And the 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 Lord is very sad and he grieves and he had to move away. Okay. And then at some gotcha. point it's just like, mm, he murdered them. It drops it like really quickly. I wish they had like danced around it a bit more, but this is for the DM. They need to know how it goes. Okay. So it fi- my favorite part about all of this surprisingly isn't the Eldritch stuff. It isn't going to fight the cultists. It's not seeing all their creepy shit that they do. People having to burn their tongues and whatnot. It's the fact that an NPC in this was in the book and is older now as um, a soldier, like a like a serve a knight, oh. Sir Vekin. Yeah, he's uh, very cool, and he's super cool. And he comes back, and if if you find this guy and tell him about what you found out about uh, this murder, he says he's going to relax. And he's not going to go with you to fight the cultists, but steals himself, goes to the village, the the town on his on own. His own gets captured is like 25 hit points away from dying when you find him and still can escort people out of there. What a guy, what a guy. And he like weeps for his, you know, love back when, and it's just like, ah, I want all DMS everywhere to take note of that little callbacks like that NPCs that persist throughout a quest. It ties everything together, make the world feel much more lived in than it would otherwise. Yeah. And the, uh, Lord Vialis, that's his name. Yeah. He's a slippery cool motherfunster. You yeah. are probably not going to be able to kill him, and he's going to get out and start doing his de- dastardly deeds for, what's the guy's name? What's the what's the aberration lord's name? Where is he? What's his name? He's got a cool name, you know? 
Come on, you gotta find it. No, you're talking about. He's there. Garenu. Oh, uh, yeah, Garenu. Garenu, dude, we gotta worship some Garenu, guys. You wanna sacrifice some people? Summon Garenu. Let's go. Come on. That, I mean, that can that can continue uh, your camp your yeah. campaign your quest. He, he now he's the maybe he's the big bad evil guy. Your whole story because he's out there doing bad stuff. Yeah, and you know this is level seven quest. It's a chonk. Uh, that's a chonky level. There can be more level. in this. I don't want to take away from the earlier people because they had a lot less to work with because they couldn't kill the players. Well, there's also not. I mean, there is some good fun combat in here but there's a whole lot of not combat this in would here be so still amazing. amazing in the campaign that you run for us it would ours it would be very good and uh, fairy feral feral that dude that the the mm -hmm. high elf or what he's a wood elf with some he's he's evil he's an evil guy others are beneath him his position in the cult ensures his future he's all about helping him boosting up the lord of of the of the place he's a cool guy you can fight him once and you can maybe kill him there or you can maybe not kill him when he shows up or you can kill him at a different place. And there's like four different ways this guy can be involved in the story. And it's all accounted for. So That's good. true. This is definitely but, my favorite one. But. There is something we kind of skimmed over. Waterdeep. Yeah. Waterdeep. You got For those that don't know, Waterdeep is a gigantic, absolutely a uh, insane population number yeah. of a city in the forgotten realms mm -hmm. yeah. that is tough for i a will say handle. you don't have to go in the city you don't you can meet Yar yarl yarl whatever the guy's name is on the way oh why wouldn't you go into the city because you're a dm and you're scared i know but your players want to go <laughs> I'd be nervous, man. Your water it's we're about scary. to go to your water deep, aren't we? Kinda, yeah. Yeah, so I'm ready for that. But it's the problem is you know, you could very easily circumvent a lot of the water deep stuff yeah. by easily transporting them to where they need to go. There's a Snorlax um, in the in the road. Well, the problem is I, I know players like to wander, yeah. right? And if they want to go somewhere, they're gonna go somewhere. So just just be careful. Yeah. Right? Just be careful. Um, the other problem that I have with it um, is, correct me if I'm wrong, Braxton, I might have missed it in the descriptions of stuff, but I think the only aberration we meet are Grells. Yeah, that's it. There's no actual aberrations, except for the thing that she saw that was getting summoned. What the fuck? Wasn't man? that a Grell that he summoned? Grells are cool, but come on. He summoned a Grell in his, in the thing that she saw. Tentacles for legs, bulbous head. Yeah, growls so are cool, but come on. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, DM, make him hard to I kill. Want make him get out there. Maybe more. he summons Garnu. Well, maybe not summon Garnu, but summon some aberration, some cool stuff. I mean, all right, let me shout out to all my Lovecraft fans out there. Pick up Sandy Peterson's Sandy Cheeks. Call of Cthul or Cthulhu Mythos 5e, I I, something like that. It's very easy to find. Go look for that. Find some aberrations in there. Plop them in here. I'm not allowed to read that because... Yes, there's a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of uh, monsters I've directly taken straight out of that. I'm not allowed, I'm not allowed, I'm not allowed to read it yet because I won't let myself. It's super cool. We did I it, though. I highly recommend it. We did it. That's my favorite adventure. Yeah, that's my favorite one, too. Hey, we, we agreed on a lot of things. 
That's true. That's unusual. That's well, it's pretty unusual. Oftentimes I say things and you go, what? No. You idiot. I was waiting for you Dumbass. to say, what? No, to me on the nursery rhyme one. Can, really? You thought I was going to like that one? Yeah, just because it was like horry, kind of spoopy spoopy. Can I? I mean, it is. I mean, I, I like it, but I, think, I agree it's very hard to run. Can you try just the first stanza to figure out what the dang rhythm to this song is? If it's so catchy, it curses me, man. I'm not seeing it. See a mother scything wheat, forgotten husband sleeping near. Bro, I get the rhyme comes in the next line, but with one swing, she took his feet with another took his ear. Is it just the typical sing song thing that everybody does? Or what? I don't know. Shim 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 shim. Somebody, somebody out there who's good at music production and loves D&D. Make it. Name shim shim. Name shim shim Or the problem is you got to figure out first how to, how to pronounce that damn name because it, it, I'm sure it's important for that stanza. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not a poetic author. The, so they I don't, don't give you any clues because Shimshime in this line rhymes with Shimshime and name and blame rhyme with each other. So there's no, there's nothing. There's no way to know. Nothing. All right. All right, Ryan, we got something exciting going on. As of right now, as of right now, I'm getting close. Okay. I'm, I'm going to be DMing tomorrow for me for you guys if you listen today it's yesterday yep but for when Sorry, you're listening guys. to this right now if you're listening to this right now send your spirit bomb energy to me in the past because i haven't dm since november i don't know if it works like that it could time is not as linear as you think it is it's true. Don't think about it that way. but basically what i'm trying to say is hey we're gonna have a life plate going on i'm very excited about it and it's in We'll have just ended tomorrow, 24 hours from right now or so. I'm if excited. you miss it, which if you listen to this, you may have. Yeah. It's a possibility. Probably. Um, don't feel bad, but feel bad that you're not a part of our Discord because we've been <laughs> talking about it in there for a while. We've also tweeted about it a couple of times and talked about the podcast. So you should have, I mean, should have been aware. But if you just now join us for the first time on this podcast, I'm sorry you missed it. Hop over and type in the Dungeon Chronicles onto uh, whatever your podcast platform that you listen to, and you'll find it there. You can also go to our YouTube channel. Go to YouTube.com and type in the search bar, the Dungeon Chronicles podcast. It'll come up, and you'll get all those, or you just type in the Dungeon Crawl podcast, and this will come up. Nice. Um, and that episode that we record will be released on the following Thursday. And the Thursday after that. So we're going to split up the four-hour stream into two two-hour easily consumable segments. So if you miss it, you can catch up pretty easily. Yes. Yes. The earlier episodes, we did our best to make it as fun and easy to hear as possible. But we had limited resources. The fifth one. Yeah, we just wanted to get going finally. We've been talking about doing it for a, a, a hot minute. Yes. After we do the stream tomorrow, I will consider our goal accomplished. Because this is the follow-up. This is this is the alley oop. This is it. After it finishes. Because that's how that's how the dungeon crawl started. Ryan and I were like, you know what? We want to stay friends and we want to have a thing to do together. And we both like D D. And we've been in like theater radio stuff. Let's just do this. Set a date, got it done. And here we're talking to you today, 81 episodes later. We did it. We did it. And now the Dungeon Chronicles is out and it exists. And I'm super proud of it. It's the second thing that I've ever done in my life that I've actually accomplished. It took a good friend to be able to like follow up as well because I can't do these types of things on my own. But hey, 
It's a very big accomplishment. Now it's what, Braxton? It's the year of the... It's the year of the dungeon, baby. That's the Crawl and the Chronicles. TDC. Let's go. 2021, baby. It's the year of the dungeon. It's the year of the dungeon. If you want to tell us how hyped you are about everything on social media, it's at Dungeon Crawl Pod for both Twitter and Instagram. We are trying to post more often and we are actually successfully doing it. If you want to see a cat... There's going to be a YouTube video of this, and you can search the Dungeon Crawl podcast, and you can find this episode on there the same day that this comes out on the other podcast platforms. We do have a link tree that goes to a lot of other places, like our Twitch streams and whatnot. Ryan and I both sometimes stream on our own. There's also the channel that we'll have for our live play, but for now, it's going to be twitch.tv forward slash Melasior. That is M-E-L-A-C-I-O-U-R. That's where we'll be streaming Tomorrow, but yesterday for you that you're listening to this right now. Or maybe not. I don't know. Brian, there's an email that you can go to as well. The Dungeon Crawl Pod yeah. at gmail.com. I'm done. Hey, guys. <laughs> hey, everybody. Uh, if you are listening to this and you just so happen to be walking in some, you know, dark, decrepit, scary, sometimes, you know, sometimes scary crypt. I recommend you don't listen to the mimicry of the were-ravens. Listen to our sultry voices. Hop into the closest uh, mausoleum. I don't know what the word is for the uh, coffin. Hop into the closest coffin, sorry. Yeah. And teleport yourself over to Apple Podcasts. Read us five stars. And write a nice, cute little review underneath. Say, hey, I... I thought I was headed to the Shadowfell, and I ended up here. Crazy coincidence. If you don't. It would mean a lot. If you don't, you're going to get attacked by 12 ghouls and a white. And two two gargoyles. Don't forget that. <laughs> In case there wasn't enough In already. In case there wasn't enough. You want to know the Shadowfell is the real deal and that you've got the Shadow Cross? I'll come back later. There you go. You know, it's kind of unique. Maybe, maybe he wanted that to be a portal to the Ravenloft stuff and, you know, to get into the Shadowfell. That's a way to get in. Speaking of Ravenloft, Brax. No, not speaking. Speaking of the podcast, Brax. Next week, we're going to cover the back half of this. And maybe, if we're lucky, our good friend Kenneth will be there. Oh, okay. So, wait. We got to this one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. Mm-mm. Oh, no. It's more like back three fourths, but we'll do our best. Wait, what? There's not more here. Yeah. Oh, wait, hold on. Candle uh-huh. keep. One, two, we did, three, we did four, eight. five, There's six, 17 seven, total. eight. Wait. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. There's eight plus, so we have nine to do, right? Okay. No, we're good. There's, because Alexar's appendix is Twinga. Dude, we can't, we can't do math, can we? No, we got it. Twinga. Those guys are cute as hell. All right, we're good. We'll figure it out. We'll be fine. We, we got it. We got the process down. We know how to, we don't have to There's talk nine. about candle keep. There's nine. Good. It's easy. Good. They're going to be yeah. terrible. And They're going to be short. Kenneth might be here. He might not be. We'll try to get our schedules organized. If not, then it'll just be us doing another long, chonky episode. Long, chonker. Yeah, Kenneth's there. It's almost certainly going to be a little bit longer because that boy can talk. He likes, he talks our ears off. He loves off. hearing himself. And I, I All right. That's it for me, Braxton. Send us out. Send us out at something really cool. Do it. This is the coolest noise you guys will ever hear in the history of podcasts. Well, hold on. We got we to gotta do our sign off. Damn it. Okay. I was hyped. I hyped him up hold on, now. Hold on. Okay. Yeah, just pretend there's a drama going on. As always, he's Ryan. I don't know if I'm pointing in the right direction. Yeah. He, he's Braxton. And here it is the well, best noise. On. We've been the dungeon crawl. 
Thanks for crawling with us. Let's go! I'm hiding under the table now. You can still hear me. I don't think I've met <laughs> your expectations, but I did my best. That'll do.